Hi guys, my name is Katie Genova, and I'm going to be reading Jurassic Park by Michael Creighton. Introduction The Engine Incident The late 20th century had witnessed a scientific gold rush of astonishing proportions. The headlong and furious haste to commercialize genetic engineering. This enterprise had proceeded so rapidly, with so little outside commentary, that its dimensions and implications are hardly understood at all. Biotechnology promises the greatest revolution in human history. By the end of this decade, it will have outdistanced atomic power and computers in its effect on our everyday lives. In the words of one observer, biotechnology is going to transform every aspect of human life. Our medical care, our food, our health, our entertainment, our very bodies. Nothing will ever be the same again. It is literally going to change the face of the planet. But the biotechnology revolution differs in three important respects from past scientific transformations. First, it is broad-based. America entered the atomic age through the work of a single research institution at Los Alamos. It entered the computer age through the efforts of about a dozen companies. But biotechnology research is now carried out in more than 2,000 laboratories in America alone. 500 corporations spend $5 billion a year on this technology. Second, much of the research is thoughtless or frivolous. Efforts to engineer paler trout for better visibility in streams, square trees for easier lumbering, and injectable scent cells so that you will always smell of your favorite perfume may seem like a joke, but they're not. Indeed, the fact that biotechnology can be applied to the industry traditionally subjects to the viarges of fashion and such cosmics of leisure activities. Heightened concerns about the whimsical use of this powerful new technology. Third, the work is uncontrolled. No one supervises it. No federal laws regulate it. There is no coherent government policy in America or anywhere else in the world. And because the products of biotechnology range from drugs to farm crops to artificial snow, the intelligent policy is difficult. But the most disturbing fact is that no watchdogs are found amongst scientists themselves. It is remarkable that nearly every scientist in genetic research is also engaged in commerce of biotechnology. There is no detached observers. Everybody is at stake. The commercialization of molecular biology is the most stunning ethical event in the history of science. It has happened with astonishing speed. For 400 years since Galileo, science has always proceeded as a free and open inquiry to the workings of nature. Scientists have always ignored national boundaries, holding themselves above the transitory concerns of politics and even wars. 
scientists have always rebelled against secrecy in research. They have even frowned on the idea of patenting their discoveries, seeing themselves as working to the benefit of all mankind. And for many generations, the discoveries of scientists and indeed have particularly selfish quality. In, when in 1953, two young researchers in England, James Watson and Francis Crick, deciphered the structure of DNA, their work was hailed as a triumph of the human spirit. Of the centuries-old quest to understand the universe in a scientific way. It was confidently expected that their discovery would be selfishly extended to the greater benefit of mankind. Yet, that did not happen. Thirty years later, nearly all of Watson and Crick's scientific colleagues were engaged in another sort of enterprise entirely. Research in molecular genetics had become a had become vast multi-billion dollar commercial undertaking and its origins can be traced not to 1953 but to April 1976. That was the date of the of the now famous meeting in which Robert Swanson a venture capitalist approached Herbert Boyer, a biochemist at the University of California. These two men agreed to found a commercial company to exploit Boyer's gene splicing techniques. Their new company, Genetech, quickly became the largest and most successful genetic engineering startups. Suddenly, it seemed as if everybody wanted be to become rich. New companies were announcing almost weekly, and scientists flocked to exploit genetic research. By 1986, at least 362 scientists, including 64 in the National Academy, sat at, on the advisory boards of biotech firms. The number of those who held equally positions or consultees was several times greater. It is necessary to emphasize how significant this shift in attitude actually was. In the past, pure scientists took a snobbish view on business. They saw the pursuit of money and as intellectually uninteresting suited only to shopkeepers and to do research for industry even the prestigious Bell or IBM labs was only for those who couldn't get in get in a university appointment thus the attitude of pure scientists was fundamentally critical towards the work of applied applied scientists and to the industry in general their long-standing antagonism kept university scientists free of contaminating industry industries. And whenever debate arose about biotechnology matters, disinterested scientists were able to discuss the issues at high, the highest levels. 
but that was no longer true. There are very few molecular biologists and very few research institutions without commercial applications. The old days are gone. Genetic research continues in more furious pace than ever. But it is done in secret and in haste for profit. In this commercial climate, it is possibly inevitable that the company, as ambitious as International Genetic Technologies Incorporated of Palo Alto, would arise. It is equally surprising that, that the genetic crisis is created and should go unreported. After all, Engine's research was conducted in secret. The actual incident occurred in the most remote region of Central America. A fewer than 20 people were there to witness it. Of course, only of those, a handful survived. Even at the end, the when the International Genetic Technologies filed for Chapter 11 protection in the United States Bankruptcy Court in San Francisco on October 5, 1989, the proceedings drew little press attention. It appeared so ordinary. Engine was the third small American bioengineering company to fail that year, and the seventh since 1986. Few court documents were made public. Since the creators were Japanese investment consiora, it such as Hemery and Dinska companies tr that traditionally shun publicity. To avoid unnecessary disclosure, Daniel Ross of Cohen, Swain and Ross of Cohen, Swain, and Ross Council for Engine also represented Japanese investors. In the rather unusual petition of the Vice Council of Costa Rica was heard behind closed doors. Thus, it is not a surprise that within a month the problems of Engine were quietly and ambitiously settled. Parties to that settlement include the Distinguished Scientific Board of Advisors signed a non-disclosure agreement and none will speak about what happened. But many of the principal figures in the engine incident are not signatories and were willing to discuss the remarkable events leading up to those final two days in August 1989. The remote island off the west of Costa Rica. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening and I hope you come back. Thank you.